Content not suitable for all ages. Listener discretion advised. Welcome to tonight's episode of Cryptic Portal. I'm your host Mike, and tonight we will be taking you through some true tales of terror. Our first story comes to you tonight from Reddit user Bernd Schmidt, titled, If They Call Your Name, Never Answer. My Aunt Bonnie and cousin Jedediah lived far out in the country. The first time I'd stayed overnight was a long time coming. For some reason, despite Jed and my closeness, there was always a tug of war between our families. For years, I wanted to sleep over, but they denied it. We were adolescents now, and after what happened, I can see why they wanted us to mature a bit. It was early winter. We played baseball and shot BB guns in the yard all day, ate dinner, and asked to go outside just a little bit longer. Bonnie demanded that we be in before dark, an understandable demand from a protective parent. But then Jed said something strange. Stay with me. Don't go near the woods. Why? I asked. Wolves, his dad interrupted. Well, good enough for me. Something about my uncle's voice, however, when he said wolves, sounded more like an excuse than a real reason. I'd never seen a wolf in Pennsylvania. We stuck to the tree line and just threw rocks as far as we could, listening for them to splash in the creek. If it did, that meant that one of us had one hell of a throw. We adhered to the rules, went inside at dusk, and slept through the night, though I did wake at one point to hear what sounded like laughter outside. The noise went in and out, and I never gave it a second thought. Probably neighbors. I didn't think of it again until we left and drove down the road leading away from the house. I asked my grandma where the neighbor's house was. They own 200 acres on all sides. There aren't neighbors for at least a mile in every direction, she said. I felt momentarily uneasy, but it passed. My Aunt Bonnie was much more lenient the next visit, which was the following weekend. Just be in before dark, we know. Without question, she emphatically stated. We had two hours until dark when suddenly a warm front rolled in, and an ever-thickening fog came with it. You boys stay in the yard, Uncle Rick shouted authoritatively. You don't question Uncle Rick, a man who regularly handled venomous rattlesnakes with his bare hands. We were playing baseball and as the formless smog continued to drift across the state, the sound of blaring warning signs wailed from afar, incrementally increasing in decibel levels up and back down in an eerie, howling sort of tone. It's the no-drive siren, Jed said. Our fogs can get pretty dangerous out here. We could still see within a reasonable distance around us. Aunt Bonnie called for us to come in when Jed asked for one last pitch. I threw the ball, and he slugged it far over my head and into the woods. I hadn't thought about the no-woods rule since last time. I guess they assumed we'd comply. We intended to, but my uncalculated instinctual reaction was to follow the ball, and inadvertently, I sprinted beyond the tree line and into the woods, probably about 50 yards in retrospect. 
the last thing I heard Jed cry out was, No! Night was falling, and I'd run so far into the woods I couldn't see which direction was which, and the fog grew dense and uniform. The line of sight dwindled to about 10, 15 feet on all sides. Greg! Jedediah shouted. But I was busy looking for my new ball, which I swore hit the dry, crunching leaves not too far from me. When I realized I'd never find it, a bothersome reality set in amid the cacophonous siren and the screams for my name. Greg! Jed shouted once again, clearly emanating from my six o'clock position. But as I paced in his direction, once again my name was shouted, from the opposite direction, deeper in the woods. The only thing which caused a chill to run through my blood was the voice coming from the brush sounded like a little girl. Just as the trees began to crack and settle into the ever-shifting winds, I got a dreadful feeling. Hello? I cried out. Only the sound of crackling, high up in the trees and far away. Hello? I screamed, my tone infused with nervous distress. And then, a rustling. Like leaves dragged upon by something, coming at me from just ahead, getting closer and closer. And then, spoken directly like a young child, I heard, Greg? A gentle question, followed by a surreal, horrifying vision. Two bare feet, attached to bare legs, hovering just above the ground, toes dragging against the forest floor. Then, the sudden thumping of footsteps sprinting at me, attached to a bright light, I was instantly pulled with inhuman strength by a tight grip. It was Uncle Rick. Go back home, he shouted angrily over my head. I was swept away, Uncle Rick urging me to run and not let go of his hand. We broke through the trees and barreled through the front porch door and then into the house in a blur. He locked the door frantically. I don't even know what I saw. You don't know what's in those woods, he yelled as he shakily fastened the lock and hatch. Turn off the lights. This was the reason, I assumed, for the no woods, no night rule. I wasn't even sure really what I saw. Nobody got angry. I didn't even get yelled at. Just told to go in our room and go to bed. Aunt Bonnie had an expression not of disappointment but of concern. And Jedediah looked frightened. We didn't say anything to each other. We went to bed and I got in my sleeping bag on Jed's floor. I couldn't fall asleep, only ponder what it was I'd actually seen in those woods. It got quiet for a while, but then I heard it. The same thing last time. Laughter. Outside. Only it sounded like it was closer. And in the yard this time. It sounded like children were chasing each other in circles around the house. It got silent eventually. It would be a while before I got drowsy, maybe an hour. And that's when I heard a sound at Jed's window. Delicate scratches, like fingernails. Jed spoke out quietly. Don't pay attention to it. It will go away. I'm not sure what was more unsettling. The fact that Jed had been lying awake in scared silence for over an hour, or the fact that the tapping at the window sounded like a person trying to get our attention. Our room was on the second floor. The next day, on the way home, I began to tell my grandma what had happened, 
until she stopped me. We drove on in uncomfortable silence as I felt scolded for several miles, and then I finally asked, What was it? Last night. She took a puff of her cigarette and exhaled, blowing it out the cracked window. She said, There are things around those woods that we don't understand. The house belongs to your family, but the forest will always belong to them. If they call your name, never answer. You never know what secrets your family is hiding. Now on to our second story from Reddit user PhantomPuppetYT, titled, There's Something in the Snow. My name is Max, and I live in central Canada. Don't bother looking for me, because for all I know, it'd be too late. I live in a two-story house in the middle of nowhere. The house itself is very open. No rooms, and the only walls are the outer walls. Same goes for the second floor. I work as a semi-professional animator, all from home. About a week ago, I got a huge snowstorm that lasted the entire day. It ended when the snow reached one and a half meters. The next day, I heard some footsteps around my house, but it didn't sound like a human walking. It sounded too spaced apart. I stopped working and walked to my window and looked out, but I didn't see anything like imprints in the snow, or even something to make imprints. After an hour, I realized that if another storm came in, it would probably kill the power and internet. So as preparation, I sent an email to my boss, telling him I just had a huge storm and it might kill all the power and internet. After I finished the email, I headed outside so I could get my reserve food from my shed. I walked about three meters to my wooden shed and stepped inside. I pulled out the garbage bag I brought with me and filled it with as much as I could carry. I walked back to my house, but I thought it would be a good idea to look where I heard the footsteps while I was still outside. I set the food down and walked to the left side of my house and saw nothing out of the ordinary, at first. But as I looked more, I saw scratch marks all down the side of my house and slight indentations in the snow that appeared to belong to a dress shoe of sorts. After this, I went inside as fast as I could which wasn't very fast, but it was definitely faster than normal. I grabbed the food and slammed the door shut behind me. I sat in silence for a second, then pushed the image from my mind and walked to the kitchen. I was putting the food away when I felt like I was being watched, and when I looked up, I saw the forest, and out of curiosity, I opened the window. To my absolute horror, I heard nothing. Not a bird was chirping, not a fox was hunting, there was nothing. Where I live, hearing nothing is the worst sound you can imagine because the worst thing in that forest is a fox, maybe a wolf, and I sure as shit didn't hear a howl. I pushed the thought from my head again, closed the window and went back to putting the food away. All throughout the next two days the same things were happening. I'd be working, I'd hear some footsteps followed by scratching, then silence for an hour, then it would start again. On the fifth day the storm came back and knocked out the power, and as I expected the internet went with it. The day itself was uneventful, but as soon as the sun set it was pitch black, 
The first floor was the worst because the storm covered the windows in snow. I went upstairs because being down there while it's dark is more than just creepy. I sat on my bed because I had nothing better to do. I was lost in thought when a scratching noise ripped me from it. I didn't make a move so I didn't realize I noticed it. I slowly turned around and saw a wall. I realized that directly behind me was a wall but further down the wall there was a window. I stood up and slowly crept to the window and looked to my left. What I saw next was a man that's proportions are off. He was so tall that he had to bend at the waist and squat to reach my second floor. The weirdest thing was he didn't sink into the snow. The clothes it was wearing was a black suit jacket and vest with white stripes, a pair of black dress pants and a pair of black dress shoes. At that moment I heard him stop scratching. He turned to me and I saw the worst face I have ever seen. He had eyes that weren't proportionate with his head. They were as red as blood. The rest of his face was the worst because it didn't exist. He had no mouth or nose or hair. He had nothing for eyes. At that moment, he stood up and tilted his head as if to question what I was. The best way I can describe what happened next was it tore the bottom of its face open to form a crudely made mouth and as if that mouth had been there all along, it let out an ear-piercing scream that caused my windows to explode and it shook my house. The part where it was scratching exploded creating a hole in my wall. I turned away and ran for my stairs as it continued to scream. I made it down the first two stairs then tripped and fell down the stairs. I landed on my back and slid across my floor. I sat there looking up the stairs, waiting for that thing to come into view. I eventually got up and moved to the corner under my stairs and after a while I fell asleep. I woke up when I heard a creak in my floor. I sat up and looked around my stairs and thankfully I saw nothing. I quietly ran over to my knife block and pulled out my bone knife, then ran back over to my corner. As I made it over to my corner, I heard someone descending the stairs. As they made it to the bottom, I stood up and rounded the corner with my knife out. To my surprise, I saw a police officer who now had his gun drawn on me. I don't think I've ever swapped moods so fast. I went from fear to surprise back to fear and finally joy. I broke down and fell to the ground dropping the knife in the process. After that the officer got me in his car and we drove to the station. There I told them everything I could from the man to how my house was destroyed and why I was hiding in a corner. Obviously the interrogators didn't believe me but they did seem interested. They told me to give them a second, so I did. After five minutes, two guys in regular clothes walked in and told me to walk with them. I did as they asked, and as we walked I told them the same thing I told the officers, but the difference between the two is the two guys in regular clothes actually listened with curiosity, and they even asked questions. They told me to get in a truck they had prepared, 
so they could take me to a temporary house because the cops were investigating my house. So that's where I sit, but the whole reason I'm writing this now is because I just heard some more scratching. I asked the guards outside my room if they heard it too. They said they didn't. Then, one spoke into their radio that I heard it again, when all of a sudden, he dropped to the floor. The other one followed suit. I squatted down and checked their pulse to find them both dead. We're fucked. I'm fucked. Please help me. We still don't know what he's seen. Was it Slenderman? This brings us to our third and final story from Reddit user Mr. Beef Thighs, titled, I've Been Blind for Nearly 30 Years. When I was a child, I lived with my parents in a beautiful mountaintop cottage in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It wasn't a big house, but it was paradise for a small child who loved the outdoors. I spent all of my time in the hills baking in the summer sun. The mountaintop was a small, tight-knit community, and my parents wouldn't bat an eyelash if I would leave the house at first light and not come home until after dark. They knew I was safe, and frankly, were probably glad to have some peace and quiet in the house. My childhood days of adventuring came to a sudden end the week after my 11th birthday. That morning, over our breakfast cereal, my dad had told me the circus had come to town and overnight had erected a massive red and yellow tent just outside the baseball field in the valley below. Chattanooga was a decently sized town, but outside of the baseball field, the aquarium, and the great outdoors, there wasn't too much for a kid to do back then. So when my dad offered to take the family to the circus that weekend as part of my birthday celebration, I couldn't believe it. I made sure my daily hugs that I gave my dad lingered just a few seconds longer that day before I ventured out into the mountaintop forest. I ran through the forest, my legs pumping like pistons. I was so excited. The circus! How lucky was I to have such a good dad? I finally reached my destination, a tall pine that rested on an overlook that jetted out over the valley below. I was finally going to get a glimpse of that circus tent. I don't remember anything else that day. I still wonder if I ever got a brief glimpse of that tent. From what I was told, a branch snapped and I fell about 35 feet onto a rock outcrop below, knocking me unconscious. When I didn't come home that night, my parents called the police. Eventually, they found me, broken and bloodied and still unconscious. A few days after, I woke up in the hospital, and a few moments after waking up, I realized I was blind. I had hit my head on that rock outcropping in just the right way to knock something loose in my brain, and just like flickering a switch, I lost my vision. My world, that was once filled with green trees, brown dirt, blue skies, was now enveloped in a complete and utter blackness. The next few years were hard, very hard, but like all things, you get used to it, you adapt, you learn new things, and you find new passions and carry on with life. I say all that to tell you I'm 40 now, and I've been blind for most of my life. I've grown and adapted, and after several years, I finally feel like I'm able to be happy with my life. I have a job, I work at a school for the blind, several friends, and I live alone in a house that I have finally been able to buy after years of savings. Things have been going well for me, really well actually. After all these years in the dark, I finally feel like my feet are back under me. I finally feel like I'm back in control of my life. I'm a completely capable adult. Or at least I felt that way until this week. It all started on Monday. 
I had a shit day at school. A real stinker. Kids were assholes. My boss was an asshole. The weather sucked. Just an all-around bad day. We all have them. As soon as I got home that day, I was going to get into bed and just sleep and just put the day behind me. And that was what I started to do. I walked in, drank a glass of water, and crawled into bed. But it didn't feel right. Something was off. I laid there for a few minutes when it hit me. My bed was warm when I crawled in, but only on one side, as if someone had gotten out of bed just moments before I walked into the room. My mouth went dry, and I laid in silence for several more minutes just listening. I decided I was just imagining things. I got another glass of water, and I went to sleep. The next day, after work, I came home and plopped down on the couch to watch TV. Yes, us blind folks do that sometimes. Some shows you really need eyes for, but with modern accessibility features, scenes are described for us. It's pretty cool, it's like having a robot read a screenplay for you. Kinda weird to get used to, but it's better than sitting in silence. So I'm sitting there, not really listening to the TV, more zoned out than anything, when I notice I'm feeling heat. Nothing too intense, just a low, steady heat coming from my right side. It took me a minute to realize that it was heat coming from a lamp on the end table right next to me. I don't turn on lights in my house. Ever. Why would I? I have lamps and light bulbs screwed into their sockets, but I never use them. Friends use them when they come over, but that's about it. I haven't had anyone over at my house for probably a month at that point, and I definitely would have noticed the heat coming from this lamp long before now if it had been on that long. I sit in this spot nearly every day. I turned off the lamp and put it behind me. I didn't have an explanation for it, but why worry myself, right? Full disclosure, besides being blind, I'm also an idiot. I listened to another episode of NCIS, microwaved some dinner, and decided to head off to bed. I left the kitchen, took about four steps down the hall as usual, turned to walk through my bedroom doorway, and BAM! I damn near broke my nose on the bedroom door. Now this is where things get really weird. I never close my door. I'm freaking blind and I live alone. I don't need the hassle of feeling for a doorknob every time I enter or leave a room. Someone has been in my house. I'm not going to lie to you. I was scared shitless. I haven't been that scared since the day I woke up in that hospital in Chattanooga knowing my life had just been changed. I pulled my cell phone out of my pocket to call 911, but my hands were shaking from the adrenaline and I dropped it. I heard the phone bounce off the carpet and hit the baseboards of the wall, so I dropped to my hands and knees and started feeling around for it. Five seconds later, I still hadn't found my phone. Had it bounced further away? I swear I heard it hit the baseboards right at my feet. I slowly expanded my search crawling my way down the halls, arms splayed out in front of me, trying to scour as much of the carpet as I could. Nothing. Tears were beginning to well up in my eyes. I was really scared. I sat for a moment, calmed myself, even my breathing out, and restarted my search. I'd only had a few square feet of space left to search, just the space in front of the laundry room door and the guest bedroom door. It wasn't a long hallway. I army crawled down the hall, scraping my arms across the carpet when the very tip of one of my fingers brushed up against a solid object in the middle of the carpet. Finally! 
I crawled a few inches more and let my hand fall where I had felt something solid, but there was nothing there. Confused, I crawled a few more inches and tried again. Nothing. I crawled a few inches more and reached my hand out again. My right hand fell on something. It was too big to be a phone. I gently rubbed my hand across its surface. It felt cold and dry, almost fleshy. I realized what it was when it moved out from under my hand. I had grabbed someone's foot. I screamed and threw myself backwards, struggling to regain my feet. My legs had turned into jelly. I collapsed onto the ground and listened. Legs pulled up to my chest, ready to kick at any noise within striking distance. I'm not sure how long I was on the ground. It felt like forever. After a while, I slowly got back up on my feet. I stood still and listened to the air. I couldn't hear anything but the wind blowing through the trees in the backyard and the hum of the air conditioner, but I could feel someone staring at me. I knew that less than 15 feet from me, someone was standing in the doorway of my guest room, barefoot, holding my phone. My mind conjured a head of wild hair, torn clothes, and dirty hands that wrapped around the handle of a butcher knife. Slowly, I backed away, feeling along the wall with my hand, searching for my bedroom door so I could place myself within my house and plan my escape. The air tasted electric, and the silent house had an enormous tension that felt ready to explode. Any moment, footsteps would launch themselves toward me from my hallway, and I would feel a knife plunge deep into my chest, or my neck, or my useless fucking eyes. My breathing was getting heavy again. Was that my breathing? My mind was racing through the possible outcomes and my ears were straining to pick up anything in the silence. Finally, my hand brushed against the doorframe of my bedroom. My hand wrapped around the doorknob to steady myself and I used the next quarter second to formulate a plan in my head. Turn around 180 degrees, take four steps, turn left, take five steps. Door should be there. Unlock door, leave house stand in the middle of the street and scream my head off until a neighbor or a passerby stops to help me. Just as I was about to turn around and put my plan into action, I felt the doorknob to my room rotate under my hand and pull itself away from me, opening the door. I felt one hot, smelly breath on my face and I bolted. Turn 180 degrees, take four steps, turn left, take five steps, BAM! I ran right into the kitchen island. I was panicking. My strides were longer when I ran. Too bad I had never sprinted through my house before to learn what this would be like. I reached onto the island and grabbed my knife block and pulled out the first knife I could find. I put my back to the kitchen counter and swung the knife wildly in front of me. I shuffled my way around the kitchen island feeling my way toward the door when I felt the finger poke me in the forehead in muffled laughter as I slashed the air wildly around me, inching closer and closer to the door. I found the doorknob and pulled the door. It was locked. Fuck, I'd forgotten about that. It wasn't a problem, but it delayed my exit about another two seconds, just long enough to hear a knife slide through the knife block on the kitchen island. I exploded out of my house and ran into the street screaming. I can't remember if I was screaming for help or if I was just plain screaming, but it wasn't even a minute before a woman's voice called out to me. Sweetie, it's okay, drop the knife. It's okay, I can help you. 
The woman sounded like she had just smoked about three packs of Marlboros or her throat was filled with gravel. It's okay, shh, she cooed. I lowered my knife and listened to the woman as she approached. I've been blind for nearly 30 years. I know what things sound like. I can tell what kind of cars are on the road by the sound of their tires. I can pick out and isolate specific sounds in a loud room. I know what it sounds like when people walk with shoes or sandals or boots or bare feet. This woman walking toward me had bare feet. I started screaming again, slashing the knife wildly in all directions, and I heard the woman scamper off back toward the house. In the end, one of my neighbors called the police. Not about the situation, but because there was a total psycho screaming and waving a knife wildly in the street outside of her house. I don't blame her. Either way, it got the police there. They found two people in my house. They had been living in my guest room. If I had ever gone in there, I probably would have found them, but I'd never used that room. The police said they had probably been in there for about two weeks. A couple of meth heads looking for a place to squat and figured they could live in a house with a blind guy as long as they were quiet. They wouldn't have any issues. It makes me sick knowing these people were in there for so long, watching me from dark corners and laying in my bed. I'd probably walked by them a few times or cooked myself dinner while they sat on the couch and watched me. What terrifies me? is I'm sitting here in this room, talking this thing out, and I swear to God, in the breaks when I stop to think, those little pockets of time where the house returns to that deathly silence of a few nights ago, I swear, I can hear someone breathing in the room with me. I think the police may have missed one. I still don't think I'm alone in this house. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Cryptic Portal. Remember to like or follow us so you won't miss any of the new episodes we bring to you every Wednesday. We appreciate your support and ask that you please share. If you have any story you would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, you can submit to crypticportal at yahoo.com. Music and production by Mike and Marvin. Copyright Cryptic Portal 2021.